Hey, hey, Poison Pals, what's up? It is I, oh shit. <laughs> Bring it back. It is I. I skipped. I'm still gonna say it is I. No, let's keep this. Let's keep this in. Welcome back to another episode of That Shit Is Poison with your lovely hosts, myself, Megan Gesner. And myself, Harini Bot, aka the Scottish Highland Sheep. All right. So last <laughs> two, well, two times ago, you were the Mad Hatter, and today yeah. she's a Scottish Island Sheep. Oh, wait. Okay. So this time I need to be more intentional about picking a thing. Do I need to pick a thing? Yeah, pick Why? it. So you're a Scottish Sheep? Oh. It has a story. That's why. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So she's the sheep. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be my neighbor's cat, Mojave Rose. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that, the, Isn't that such a is that really name? the cat's name? No, no. Is it, is it Mojave Rose? No. His cat's name is Mojave Ghost. And she oh. is a beautiful, dusty oh gray God. Maine Coon. Dude. I'm Mojave Ghost. Wow. That is, I feel inspired right now. Yeah. <laughs> that is a beautiful name. My goodness. So, I, yeah, if you're listening to this and thinking, what the hell? Totally valid thought. <laughs> totally valid, but, uh, but we're going to go with it. We're going okay. with the Poison Pals. <laughs> okay. I mean, no one's going to hear this, right? This is a private podcast. <laughs> now, I, now my mind just froze on me. I had a talking point, but now I totally forgot. Sorry, Poison Pals. Oh. Okay. We got too caught up in the Highland Sheep. That's what the story is going to be about or involved today? Yeah, yeah. It is. Ooh. Should we just get into it then? <laughs> let's just let's just freaking get into it. Should All we right, here we go. It. Okay. Here we go. All right. Uh, Scottish Highland Sheep, it is time for you to pick your poison. What's it going to be? Okay, guys. Today, my poison is a poison we have never talked about before. And I'm not going to reveal it just yet. We're going to let the story unfold on its own. So let me take you. Let me take you on a plane. I'm going to drop you off on a plane. We're going to go on a trip over to Scotland to these Highland sheep. All right. But before I start the story, because I always forget, let me do my sources. Okay. So I got sources from Atlas Obscura, which is a really good website. I really like that website. Hmm. Yeah, so Alice Obscura, The Vintage News, NCBI, Graveyards of Scotland, and Wiki. Okay, let's get into it. So this story takes place in a country. Fun fact, Poison Pals. I've always wanted to travel to Scotland so, so bad. Have not been able to do that yet, but hopefully now with COVID on the decline. But Scotland, I just want to do like a fun fun fact because I was like, what is Scotland famous for? So they're famous for their whiskey they're friendly Scots, the mm-hmm. Highlands, Scottish wool, haggis, mm-hmm. bagpipes, and the Loch Ness monster. Most importantly, <laughs> but the reason why so this is it was kind of an interesting way that I found out about the story. We were mm. driving back from the bay, me and Dave, and I suddenly became super obsessed with getting down to the truth about the Loch Ness Monster. So I was listening to Mm. every podcast imaginable about the Loch Ness Monster, trying to figure out, is this thing real or not? 
Okay. So on my journey to figure out that truth, I found this story. So here mm. we go. It has nothing to do with the Loch Ness Monster. So don't get your hopes <laughs> up. It was just, that was how you discovered it. Like, Correct. It was, it was like, it was second one of those, like, degree adjacent, of separation. Yeah. Exactly. It was like yeah. an adjacent link that I was like, oh, yeah. what is that? Okay. All right. So we're not talking about just any Scotland. We're talking about 1920s Scotland in Gareloch, Rossshire, on the Ooh. west coast of Scotland. Ooh. And in Gareloch, Rossshire is Loch Marie. It is one of the mm-hmm. most beautiful lakes in Scotland, and there's actually many, many songs written about this particular loch. Mm. And by this, I'm going to say lake because I'm not going to say loch throughout the whole thing. <laughs> so by this lake <laughs> is a famous hotel named the Loch Marie Hotel, which was built in 1872. Mm-hmm. But we're going to discuss some events that take place at this hotel, specifically on August 14th to August 17th, 1922. All right. Mm. Okay, let's do this. This is going to be very theatrical, so stick with me. I love it. 70-year-old John Stewart was the first hotel guest to exhibit symptoms. He was startled awake with nausea at 3 a.m. on August 15th, 1922. He stumbles to the bathroom, he violently vomits, and then stumbles back to his bed. Mm. A hotel servant will find him shortly afterwards back in his bed, and he's he's okay, but he's only able to open his own eyelids by using his fingers. So he can't open them on his own. Mr. John Stewart had been coming to the Loch Marie Hotel each summer for the last 40 years, and he often talked about how this place was where he wished to die. Mm. A little ominous of what's to come. Mm. (laughs) A few hours later, the hotel staff checked in on Stewart to see if he would be in need of a doctor or anything like that. But Stewart seemed to think that the worst had passed, so he was like, we're good. We don't need a doctor. Hmm. Simultaneously, a few doors down from Stewart, a Dublin couple both complained to each other that they were feeling dizzy, and they were both experiencing double vision. Hmm. But despite not feeling 100%, the husband gathered enough strength to go out fishing for the day while his wife stayed in bed. Down the hall from this Dublin couple... A retired London barrister, a.k.a. a lawyer, was experiencing the same symptoms. And he himself, again, pushed through as well. He bathed, dressed up, and also kind of like stumbled down the stairs for breakfast. When he gets downstairs, this barrister, he jokes to the hotelier that he kind of feels drunk. Like, that's why he's stumbling all over the place. But he also says, we should probably call a doctor just in case. This was enough to push Mr. Robertson to call a doctor. So he promptly wires for a doctor. A Dr. Knox arrives a few hours later. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Knox arrives and then the lawyer kind of plays down his symptoms and apologizes for causing such a to do. Like, oh, you know, it's really not that bad. You probably didn't have to come out all this way. But meanwhile, upstairs is our friend, Mr. Stewart, who is getting worse and worse by the minute. And then a few doors down, again, the Dublin woman is now slurring her speech. She can't really talk properly at this point. Mm. So Dr. Knox calls on all of them. And after seeing the state of his patients, he immediately drives his car back into the town of Gerlach for more help. Mm. The Dublin man, so the husband, he's out on the lake, right? He goes fishing with his ghillie. So ghillie is the Scottish term for a man or a boy that will accompany you on your fishing Mm. or any kind of like excursion, kind of like a Sherpa. Mm Mm-hmm. So also out on the lake is a Major Anderson, 
He's on leave from India. That's why he's there vacationing in Lac Marie. And he promptly ignores his own Gillies signs and symptoms of sickness all day as well. Just as he had ignored his wife, who was experiencing the same symptoms earlier that morning. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Knox finally returns with his reinforcements at 9 p.m. with a professor of medicine who was also on holiday at Gerlach. So Dr. Knox debriefs with the hotelier, Dr. Robertson, to see what he missed while he was gone. And the news wasn't great. Our friend Dr. Stewart had died an hour earlier. Hmm. The other three guests were getting worse by the minute, and now there are two more who are feeling sick. So Mr. Mm -hmm. Anderson's wife, so the major, the major's Mm -hmm. wife, and then a 22-year-old Oxford grad. This 22 Oxford grad had just hiked a big-ass mountain yesterday, so he's limber, and now he Mm -hmm. can't even move his eyeballs or tongue. Mm. So Dr. Knox and the professor they're barely able to even just prescribe brandy to the sick hotel guests before they were urgently called over to the nearby huts where the Gillies lived. So they rush over to these huts by the, by the lake where major Anderson's Gillie was having acute abdominal pain. So Knox kind of just gives him a laxative because he's got to rush back over to the hotel. But just before he gets back, the Dublin woman has now passed away. What does the laxative achieve? Does it just like get there to, what (laughs) so i mean old medicine is really weird but the only thing i can think of is if he's describing if this gilly is being like oh my stomach hurts i'm having like abdominal cramping Mm. like maybe he it's like some kind of gut or gi issue and Mm. the best thing you can do is just expel whatever's in your stomach laxative Mm -hmm. might help that's that's like a rudimentary okay yeah you know me trying to make sense of it yeah yeah i'm not really sure though okay okay so this same pattern continues over the se- several days. The two doctors are just like flitting back and forth from room to room, but same exact stories happening to all these different guests. It was now this predictable and unfortunately unstoppable decline that consisted of double vision, dizziness, droopy eyes, thick tongue where you can't really talk anymore. Mm. And then a slow paralysis of the body that started with the eyes, then the lips, then the larynx, and finally your diaphragm. I think this could be trigger warning potentially for people, this description, but just just a, just a warning. Okay, so once the guests couldn't talk from the tongue paralysis, they would communicate by writing out what they needed. Mm-hmm. When their mm-hmm. extremities stopped working, they literally just turned to flailing wildly for help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrific. They desperately are just like moving their body in any which way to just ask mm-hmm. for help clutching at their throats because at this point they're unable to breathe and they're Mm -hmm. conscious of this to the very end. They basically Mm. suffocate. Yeah. The total... That almost... Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt. I'm like, that almost sounds like some of the symptoms that I went over with strychnine, but but you're saying like they're flailing, which means that they're not totally... They haven't lost total control of their body movements. They can at least still like flail their shoulders or whatever eventually Um, eventually they are full mm -hmm. paralysis so the total guest count at this point is eight people including the two gillies so now the police become involved and newspaper reporters just descend upon the hotel four more doctors several coffins and a really traumatized mr robertson watch helplessly as the remaining hotel guests just check out asap yeah yeah no one's gonna want to stay there (laughs) 
this was a bougie hotel with yeah. a good reputation. Like Queen Victoria would stay there when she visited the area. And mm. this would honestly throw them into a complete scandal, which it did. Mm-hmm. The news put out various headlines blasting the hotel and breeding fear all across Britain. But one question remained across all news outlets. What or who was responsible for all of this? Yeah. So that's kind of the s- sequence of events of what happened at the hotel. So after all these eight people die, no one else dies. So it's just those eight people. Mm. The rest of the guests, they kind of check out of the hotel. And now what ensues is an investigation, a formal investigation. Interesting. And the, I mean, I feel like I know the answer, but the rest of the guests, when they check out, they're mm. not subjected to like a quarantine or anything. It's just like Mm-mm. at the time they could just leave. Okay. Yeah, they could yeah. just leave. Mm-hmm. that's a that's a good question i didn't think yeah. about that mm-hmm. but but that, yeah but i mean that is interesting that like it was just those eight people who passed right and, like once once people left like i mean who knows i don't know the story though like yeah. i don't know why it was just those eight people like yeah, were yeah. they targeted or like true does it just so happen that like if you left the hotel you were like fine like what yeah what's I, going on that's here? why I, I ha- that's why i haven't been asking questions because i'm just like where is this going i so i'm curious i'm yeah so curious it's like goes. twisty turny okay yeah okay so, after all of this, there naturally was an investigation to figure out what the hell happened. Mm-hmm. The on-site medical team, they're able to quickly rule out encephalitis, which is just inflammation of your brain. And they mm. inf- they rule out poisoning by belladonna, which is also mm. atropine. So, which, okay. And the reason why they're thinking along those lines is because mm-hmm. uh, belladonna can affect your eyes. But mm, they were like, okay. this is not how it truly works. So we're going to rule that out. Okay. They also quickly ruled out something called potomane poisoning, which is mm. also known as common food poisoning. So I guess that's what they called it at the time. Mm. Okay. The symptoms at Locke Marie were unlike anything the medical team had ever seen before in this time period. It was far, far worse than common food poisoning. So that's why they were like, this cannot be that. What they were sure of, though, was that it was foodborne. So mm. what had these six guests and two gillies eaten that day that the all other hotel guests did not right right so to the hotel kitchen they go the doctors were immediately able to rule out dinner and breakfast from the previous Mm. day because all guests ate the same thing so it couldn't be those since now because then all the guests would have experienced the same symptoms which we know is not the case Mm -hmm. so that just leaves lunch so they asked the cook what the fuck did you make for monday's lunch the cook yeah. is terrified, but she lists out what she made. So she made sandwiches wrapped for guests to take on their hikes, their fishing, or whatever other excursions they decide to do. On Monday, she made sandwiches with jam, cheese, mm. leftover beef roast from Saturday's dinner. Always got to reuse leftovers. Mm. Mm. Ham and tongue from Sunday, mm-hmm. which the hotelier, Mr. Robertson, carved himself. And then some potted mm. meat. <laughs> potted meat that sounds oh, disgusting <laughs> we're not in the business we're of not. yucking other people's no, yum we're not but it does sound very interesting so i'm gonna look that up while you continue it your story suspect potted okay meat. yes and, and so did the investigators they also felt like this was suspect so they asked what sort of potted meat the cook wasn't 100 percent sure A month and a half prior, in late June, the hotel bought two dozen jars of four different varieties of potted meat from a factory called Lazenby's in London. They got potted chicken, ham and turkey, all mixed up with tongue, and then wild duck. 
potted meat is just a fancy way of saying like super preserved meat. I think contemporary, it's the same as like canned meat. Mm, yeah. So like spam or something like that. Yeah. But in the old days, I'm sure that looked different. I feel like the Western, this is such Equivalent. a, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Western or like the, what is it called? The prairie equivalent. You know, when you yeah. read like, like Laura those Ingalls. frontier novels and yeah. stuff, they're always like salted pork. Oh, Make dude. sure you get the salted pork. They always talk about salted pork. Yeah. I feel like that's what they're talking about here with the potted meat. It's true. That's all I had to say. When, when <laughs> I think of salted pork, I think of Laura Ingalls Wilder and yes. the way, like the way that she wrote about the food it was probably the most crass and bland food ever. But the way mm-hmm. that she described it, I'm like, I need right. to ration my salted pork. I need to yes. ration my salt that I have yes. a, only a few flakes of. Right, right. So good. And biscuits or something. Some sort of like biscuit so good. thing. Delicious. Anyways, there you go. We're recording this after dinner, mind you. We're still celebrating. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that Monday morning, the cook and her assistant opened up two of the jars from back then so so mm-hmm. they bought all these jars of potted meat a month and a half before right so now mm-hmm. we're this was late june that they bought it and we're now in august like mid-august so they go to their storage cupboard they open up two of those potted meats mm-hmm. and they were very clear on the fact that they noticed no loose lids or any odd smells coming from these jars and that's what they used to put on the sandwiches the doctors felt that this was their culprit, but they wanted to be sure, so they went to question the last surviving patients. So there's mm-hmm. two patients that were not dead yet, but definitely on their way to being dead. Mm-hmm. So the 22-year-old Oxford grad had had eaten a potted meat sandwich at the peak of the mountain as a lunch break before he descended back down. From mm-hmm. the mountain looking down below, you could see all of Loch Marie where Major Anderson was fishing. He took mm-hmm. beef sandwiches for himself and handed a potted meat sandwich to his wife, Rosamond. She preferred potted meat, the major would later insist. Mm. As was the custom then, any leftovers were handed over to the ghillie. Mm. So that's kind of how Major Anderson never got sick, which makes sense. He had the beef. Right. His wife right. had the potted meat. Mm. Along the beach was Mr. Stewart, who was eating a potted meat sandwich, and another hotel guest by the name of Andrew Buchanan. Andrew Buchanan had one bite of his potted meat sandwich, decided he did not like it, and gave it to his ghillie, who happily ate it. So, Mm. similar story went on for the remaining victims. The thing is, the Brits have potted and preserved for literal centuries, as I think most cultures do as well, Mm -hmm. from ox Mm -hmm. cheeks to oysters, because of the prevalence of preserving food. Because, I mean, just think about the time, I don't quote me on this, but I don't think the refrigerator was invented the 1920s maybe they're like a rudimentary version of it yeah like an ice box or something yeah but like, uh, that would have been really expensive correct exactly even if they had some sort of cooling contraption i think yeah. that was mostly kept for the elite or upper class and i guess you could argue a really wealthy hotel like this might might have mm-hmm. something like this but i would say for majority of people at the time they would eat things fresh and then mm-hmm. if they didn't they would preserve it as such right and that would mm. save them a lot of time and money. So it became even more of a scandal when it got out that the reason for these sicknesses and deaths was due to potted meat because it was such a popular item in Britain. And also what was a, such a scandal was for this high-end hotel to stoop to serving potted meats over fresh cuts of meat was just beyond the public. They're like, why Why would you skimp on, you know, just serve fresh meat? Why can't you just do that? Mm-hmm. 
to be honest, mm-hmm. that rhetoric was the minority. Most people agreed with the hotel. Like they have potted meat in their cupboards. They have it in their restaurants. They're stocked everywhere in these tins and jars. Potted meat was a staple for summer picnics and beach lunches. So this really freaked people out and gave them pause. Like, oh my God, like we can't use this anymore, right? This only stirred more panic and the public needed a more specific reason and culprit. They want to know a specific type of meat or brand so they can just kind of like put their mind at ease. What they needed now was to retrieve any leftover potted meat from Monday. Kenneth McLeanan, he is one of the Gillies. So before he passed away, he told his sister that he saved one of the potted meat sandwiches from Monday as like a leftover. He told her to save it, which she did. But unfortunately, he didn't tell her what to do with it next, which I kind of feel like is just common sense. But anyways, so she simply found it, unwrapped it and just left it out on the kitchen table. <laughs> right. A little bit later, another ghillie comes in and sees the sandwich and he knows like, this is poisonous. So he decides mm. to bury it in the backyard so that the hens don't get at it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's such a... I'm like... I'm like... I, Okay, because you asked the refrigerator question, but now I'm like, what was their like trash disposal system oh. like if he's like, you know, I need to go so far as to bury it. I oh, get good. not wanting the hens to get at that. Yeah. But does that mean that their like garbage system was just like dumping it on the ground where like it, it's had their like their chickens had access to it? Like that's there's so true. many unknowns. Actually, you, so many unknowns. Potentially, because don't mm-hmm. chickens literally just like eat anything? They kind of eat trash. So they do. that could be they, like their garbage disposal system. <laughs> chickens are like the the pigs of fowl yeah no it's true like i'm just honestly i'm i don't know if megan your mind went back to this as well but i'm thinking like hawaii like they will literally eat whatever they can get their their little claws on yeah Yeah, so that could be their garbage system who knows yeah so anyways he buries a sandwich Mr. Robertson, the hotelier, he he will later have to ask a staff member to exhume the sandwich. So, oh my God, the exhumed sandwich <laughs> is part of this list. So, the exhumed sandwich, the jars, the Oxford grass urine, the Gillies blood sample, and the Dublin man's feces and half of his brain were shipped off to a bacteriologist in Bristol. Wow. By this time, the eighth and final victim has passed away, and before they mm-hmm. knew it, like reporters put out tabloids or name renaming the hotel as quote the hotel of death Mm. scary yeah so does this hotel still exist yeah yeah it does okay so this one might (laughs) actually be haunted (laughs) that's true it's true (laughs) so back at the lab there was more luck the bacteriologist was able to put a name to the poison it was a toxin that had never been reported in britain until just now clostridium botulinum do we know do we know it botulism yes girl oh snap okay botox bitch (laughs) oh how interesting yeah isn't that funny that's like that's so weird that that's what we put in our faces dude i know so i'm going to talk all about that because i was also like i'm so excited why (laughs) why do we do this interesting and why was it yeah why was it in the potted meat okay tell me all about it yeah Um, yeah. okay now i know where this is going yes yes (laughs) we have come full circle okay yeah so needless to say potted meat and other preserved food sales took a nose dive one paper put it quote there may lurk a deadly danger unquote a team of scientists mm. scoured Lazenby's, which was the factory that sold this potted meat. 
So they go over there and they poke holes in every phase of the dead animals process. They're trying to really interrogate them on what their practices are to make sure it's completely sanitized from being deboned to being packed into these jars slash lidded and sealed. They especially put into the very finicky process of sterilization. And I say finicky because they have to heat it at a temperature where both the meat and the glass jar are at a high enough temperature and long enough so that it kills the bacteria, but without ruining the meat or breaking the glass. So that's kind of Mm. like a fine line that they have to toggle there. Mm -hmm. This case got a nutso amount of attention. It was really like literally, I say like, it's like the OJ Simpson trial of Scotland and honestly of Britain in the 1920s overall. Okay. Then something happened that had never been done before. In early September, the government held an unprecedented juried public inquiry, meaning the public were allowed to openly question the people involved in the situation in which every atom of evidence was presented, as one reporter put it. Hmm. So the public interrogated this poor hotelier, Mr. Robertson, the cook, the other hotel guests, and the herd boy mm-hmm. who buried the sandwich like a dud, <laughs> the Achilles, etc. But honestly, nothing came out of it in the end. What they found was that the Lock Marie kitchen was spotless and sanitized to the highest degree. And as far as the Lazenby's potted duck meat, they've been producing jarred meat for 35 years. And from all those years producing jars, only one jar was tainted. So Whoa. what went wrong, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm speculating. Something okay, go, go. went wrong in the manufacturing. That yeah. is my guess that something did happen in the manufacturing of these potted jars and like the machine didn't seal them properly that's my yeah, guess yeah honestly that has to be it has to be in the manufacturing because unless yeah. someone i don't know so no spoiler, okay i was like, like do you know no, the answer oh there's no real oh, they, answer. they don't know they don't find out really Ooh. like they just know that it happened because of this one jar yeah but i do feel like it's either like you said maybe just one stray because I have to assume mm-hmm. at that time, they didn't really have machinery. So this was all like done by hand. So someone has to be closing these lids, right? Okay. Well, let's... Okay. So because as you've been talking, I've been researching okay. 1920s yeah. and okay. their technology. Cool. We need to give 1920s more credit. You know, it is past World War One. They That's do true. have... 1920s apparently is around the same time where the first electric refrigerator was created now Mm -hmm. mind you it is a small little ice chest but that is like very advanced technologically for such a long time ago so totally plus also industrial revolution has already passed i imagine Mm -hmm. they have some sort of system to put can lids lids or whatever on potted meat for potted meat yeah yeah so so what you're saying is in the investigation alone Mm -hmm. They only found one jar that was amiss, or was that? Were they saying that the company that created the potted meats, in their history of creating potted meats, only ever had one jar that was wrong? Ladder in the history of the ladder. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So they don't. They so in the investigation wise, they don't know how botulism got on the potted meat. Gotcha. Okay. Honestly, I feel like. It's not the manufacturer. Like, I don't think the factory messed up. I think mm. potentially the cooks may have opened it but and have forgotten mm. and then closed it poorly. Something like that. Gotcha. That okay, has to okay. be it. Because, like, I, yeah. you know, it. it's almost, 
I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's highly improbable that, again, for, for their kind of track record, 35 years worth of producing jars for pretty much all mm-hmm. of Britain, only one mm-hmm. jar is faulty. Like, that's pretty improbable, I think. So it has mm-hmm. to be user mm-hmm. error on the customer end. Right. But, yeah, we don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after this okay. incident, there were definitely... You want? You have anything else? No, that's that's okay. it. I was just looking at more photos of potted meats from the 1920s. And Perfect. it is just canned... It is canned meat, so they must have had some sort of uh, industrial complex and machinery to, like, mm-hmm. put that all together. Definitely. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Anyways. Yeah, so after this incident, there were changes. Antitoxins against botulism were more readily available across Britain, just in case this happened again. Packaged or preserved meat, fruit, fish, vegetables would now be required to place a mark on the jar with the manufacturer so the contents can be traced back. And keep in mind, which I thought this is mind-blowing, at this point in time, there's no such thing as an expiration date. Implementation of expiration dates would only come three decades later in the 1950s, if you can believe it. I think, and when I say there was no such thing as an expiration date, I mean like a countrywide mandated you have to put this on your labels i think per factory and things like that they may have done that prior and be like okay this is good until this date but it wasn't mandated by the government that you have to put an expiration date on all your items until the 1950s the events at lock marie are now used as a case study in the detection of food poisoning so this is a bit random, but the article I sourced the info from gave like a play-by-play of what became of the survivors after the Lock Marie Hotel incident. So Major Anderson, he was shot to death just months after burying his wife by anti-British tribesmen. Like very random. What? Yeah. That is so bizarre. Super bizarre. Dude, so he doesn't survive much longer yeah. than his wife. Oh, man. <laughs> Wait, anti-British <laughs> what? Sorry, tribesmen. He was not um, in Britain though at the time. He was he was traveling outside of Europe. Okay. Okay, so like like indigenous people? Is that what I they think mean so. by tribesmen? I think so. Oh, okay. I see, I see. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a fascinating I'm like oh, I told what? you the story is super random. <laughs> it's so like twisty and loopy. Okay. So he's he buries his wife, but then he goes abroad yeah. and gets shot. Okay. He gets shot so to they, death. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, right. I'm just I okay. Boys and pals, I texted Megan before this. I, I was like, Megan, this word is really, really random, but I think it'll be good. <laughs> and she's like speechless. The things I'm telling her, she's like, I don't even know how to like. I don't know. I know. <laughs> I, I yeah. I've just been trying to like absorb the story. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> okay, wait, wait. So, so this is important. So he got shot, and this is important because they wanted to like investigate him further, or. No, these Why? are just yeah. fun facts. Post follow ups. <laughs> yeah, follow up facts. Yeah, he he didn't die by potted meat, but he did die right. by disgruntled people who Tribes have been meat. colonized. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> the colonized become. Yeah, so I mean, mm-hmm. I just wonder what their their tombstones say next to each other. Oh God. So. <laughs> So do you guys remember Andrew Buchanan? He was the guy on the beach. He takes the one bite yeah, and was yeah. like, I don't like this shit. Gives it to his gilly. Okay. So yeah. Andrew Buchanan saw his survival <laughs> from the poison sandwich as divine intervention. And so he dedicated oh, himself. <laughs> so he dedicated himself. I mean, himself. it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 
It's whatever. I mean, it's better than yeah, getting it is shot, what it is. I guess. Yeah. Okay. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he dedicates himself to civic duty and taking care of his hmm. dead Gilly's two sisters. So he just financially okay, supports them for the rest quite of sweet. Life. Yes. Yeah, yes. Megan, do you feel bad now? <laughs> I do. Okay. I, I know my, my reaction was like not was very like gut reaction immediate, but like I can understand this concept of that could have been me that died and I'm the one who literally passed it, passed the tar- yeah. t- tarnished sandwich to the person and that ended up killing him. So I yeah. can see that immense guilt and having that like yeah. moment Survivor's of like... Guilt. Yeah. Okay. One hundo. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he does some good deeds. He doesn't die early yeah. or anything like that. Not that I know of. Mm-hmm. After all of this, Lock Marie Hotel stays open. Is actually still open today, mm-hmm. and it's just as mm-hmm. popular. But the mm-hmm. hotelier, Mister Robertson, had a really tough time. He was getting so much f- like flack from the news and media outlets, just getting slandered left and right. And it really mm-hmm. affected him poorly. So he died three mm. years later from stomach cancer, which honestly to me reads like stress. Like stress mm-hmm. can turn into ulcers, which can honestly can turn into stomach cancer. So that's really sad. Right, so right, right. That's his yeah. story. Aww. Okay. So that that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for the story <laughs> portion. So let's get into the, the toxicology. So yeah, go ahead. I'm looking up the Lock Marie Hotel. Mm-hmm. It is quite gorgeous. And it has this very, it's like quaint. It's like a quaint brick hotel. It doesn't look big. It's not like, you know, this whole time you've been talking about it, I've uh-huh. been thinking like how the shining, how the oh, overlook yeah, yeah. hotel looks. Like because like, like, you know, yeah. yeah, like everyone freaking got poisoned and eight people died. But looking at the Lock Marie Hotel, it's it's so small and like, yeah. Um, I mean, small in comparison to like a Stanley Kubrick film. I feel like, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I I, yeah. I looked at pictures of it briefly, but it has like a lodge mm-hmm. feel. Like I only think there's yeah, it's very yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like like a little lodge, like a cabin. Yeah, it's, it's very cute. I think like like I would go there guests. and I yeah, fifty is so small. Like I wouldn't, even though I know the history of it, I'd be like, this place isn't haunted. It's just <laughs> nature, yeah. you know. Like it just feels very naturey. Uh, yeah, yeah. At least it's, how I, how I see it. I think yeah, and I think for that reason, mm-hmm. and Marie is is considered a really travel and destination spot in Scotland. It's mm-hmm. I think for mm-hmm. that reason, it's been wildly popular even despite all of this. I would gotcha. I would stay there. Yeah. Okay. So toxicology. So Clostridium botulinum was found in a single container of wild duck potted meat paste. It is known as one of the deadliest toxins on the planet. Actually, it is, I've read on several occasions that it is actually the deadliest toxin on the planet, but I don't know how that stacks up to like VX and things like that. So yeah, that could, that could like, be old deadliest, news. <laughs> deadliest non-synthetic toxin? Potentially. Maybe? Yeah. 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 That's true. Okay. Could be, yeah, hmm. non-synthetic. So Getting poisoned by botulism is actually v- really rare. To give mm. you a better idea of how frick and poisonous this thing is, a mm-hmm. pin's head, so like a little mm. tip of the needle, a pin's head worth of potted duck meat could kill 2,000 mice. Whoa. That doesn't tell us a lot because we're not mice, but if we're humans yes. in human speak. In human speak, yeah. one microgram, which is teensy tiny, is lethal to mm-hmm. humans when inhaled. 
Like you will die. Mm. That's mm-hmm. pretty. I think to Megan's point, for a natural toxin, that's pretty strong. That seems like on the scale of like ricin, right? And I think um, so. Yeah, I was so in that, that same ballpark. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. So as was discussed earlier, the early signs of botulism poisoning are weakness, blurred or double vision, fatigue, and issues speaking because your thumb kind of mm-hmm. goes limp and paralyzed. Mm. This weakness will be followed by more weakness of the arms, the chest, and leg muscles. You'll get vomiting, swelling of the belly sometimes, and diarrhea. Botulinum is actually a bacterial spore that is found everywhere in the soil and dust in low oxygen conditions, which are similar mm. conditions to a sealed jar or a sealed can. Mm-hmm. So in canned foods, when improper canning or preservation is done. So mm. to properly can or preserve something, you need adequate amounts of salt and or acidity so that it doesn't, it's not able to grow. The bacteria does not like to grow in mm-hmm. those types of conditions for this is a blanket mm. statement, but I would say for the most part, bacteria really likes to feed on sugar. But if you are able to mm-hmm. kill it without the oxygen and putting in that salt and acidity, that can really keep it at bay mm-hmm. or minimize yeah. it altogether. Symptoms usually appear in 12 to 36 hours after consuming the food. So it happens pretty quick. And that's why people sometimes get it confused with food poisoning, because I would say initial symptoms like we saw with Mr. Anderson or mm-hmm. Mr. Stewart was he vomited mm-hmm. first. Like he got up to the bathroom and vomited. So people will think, mm-hmm. oh, it's food poisoning because it has a similar time frame. You usually get sick within mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. frame. Yeah. So don't want to make that mistake if possible. But mm-hmm. the good news is there is treatment for botulism. There's an antitoxin mm-hmm. that is available for patients who can catch the symptoms in time. The mm-hmm. antitoxin is made up of antibodies that essentially bind to the bacteria and prevent it from doing further damage. But I really want to emphasize this point. It's important to note that this antitoxin prevents additional botulism from working, but it doesn't reverse mm. any paralysis that's already been inflicted. I see. Okay. So if you're already, like, if you can't move your eyelids, that's done. Like, that's like, not coming back. There's, there's no other... Uh, treatments like forget about mm-hmm. like the toxicity mm-hmm. treatment there's you know how like we talked about strychnine and like you get anti-convulsants right. that doesn't necessarily actually af- impact the strychnine mm-hmm. in your body mm-hmm. there's nothing that can undo no that is terrifying undo paralysis no. i should finish my sentences <laughs> that is ter- yeah so there's no therapies for that uh-uh. i mean i'm sure there's like some sort of therapies where you could like like uh, remobilize limbs and stuff but uh, yeah that's no yeah so if and Mm -hmm. yeah so i'll get into it a little bit more but Mm -hmm. so i just want to emphasize that point so if it's if you're already Mm -hmm. like at a certain point just keep in mind Mm -hmm. it's not helpful to reverse symptoms it can only Mm. prevent if that makes sense right 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 so so um you're probably gonna talk about Mm -hmm. this but how does botulism create that paralysis effect like what does it do to your transmitters or mm-hmm. whatever yeah absolutely we'll mm-hmm. talk about that mm-hmm. just coming up mm-hmm. so just a few things before that an antitoxin so the same antitoxin that we're talking about right now it already existed back in the 1920s so they had it it was readily available at the time but the earliest case at Lac marie was 
Mr. Stewart. And when they found mm-hmm. him, he if you remember, he already had paralysis of his eyelids. So he couldn't open mm-hmm. them without using his own fingers. So this tells us that the toxin is already far along in the body and therefore an antitoxin is no longer useful. Like that's already, mm-hmm. he's already far gone. Like he should have already mm-hmm. taken it when he started vomiting or having like diarrhea and things like that, right? Yeah. So yep. yeah, by that point, it's it's useless. Mm. So there are eight types of botulism and they're inert because remember they're spores so when they're put under stress or find themselves in an ideal environment to sporulate aka human bodies with their warm temperatures that's an ideal environment for them to sporulate they will then um, break out into spores Mm. so the way botulism works is similar to strychnine so it inhibits acetylcholine which we talked about before Mm -hmm. So it's a neurotransmitter that is responsible for firing up our motor neurons and our muscle cells. So when botulism inhibits the firing of these neurons, it causes paralysis and eventually paralysis of your diaphragm and respiratory muscles, which is what is what causes mm-hmm. you to die. Mm-hmm. It's pretty horrible because at that point you're fully conscious, but you basically can't move. So you just sort of mm-hmm. silently suffocate to death. Not Not mm-hmm. a way you want to go. This is like poorly organized, but I have some fun facts or some like interesting facts. So I didn't know this, but honey is actually known to contain botulism. Yeah. And for this reason, honey shouldn't be given to children under one years old. Like we can eat it and it's fine. It's like really, I think it's in a really like trace, trace amounts, to be honest. And I don't think it's Mm. in all honey. I have to do more research. This was just like a fact I saw, but I think because of younger kids and the way that their metabolism works and just like their bodies, there's a, they have a shorter circulatory system. I think it affects them a little bit more. So that for that reason, you don't want to give hmm. it to them. That's so interesting. And is it like, like what types of honey? You <laughs> yeah. Know, like, like, is it the, you know how some stores, they have the actual honeycomb mm. just kind of in the box and then you you put a container under yeah. it. You know yeah. how like there's always like in stores, there's like the fruits and nuts section where you grab a bag and then right. you take the little trough or ladle and you put mm-hmm. the nuts in the bag. <laughs> Sometimes they have like honey things they do? too. Yeah. The, at least where I grew yeah. up, they had like little honey. It almost looks like a fake beehive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's open. It's not refrigerated or wow. anything. It's just, you could just like fresh honey. put your little container. Damn. Yeah. Fresh honey. So is it like a, because to me, like that is exposed, right? right? That that's not like properly preserved. No, or no, no. So would we see, for example, you got your typical little honey bear, a plastic bottle yeah. with like the cheap of the cheapest honey is that, would that contain trace amounts of botulism to a point where like that, is that the honey that people are warning against feeding their one-year-old child i'd have to do just any honey yeah i'd have to do more research but i just based on the way that botulism grows i think you're right like the grocery honey that you're talking about where it's exposed to the air like that's the one thing Mm -hmm. it it needs to have anaerobic conditions meaning no oxygen Mm. in the atmosphere or in the environment so if it's just exposed i would say that's fine I'm kind of thinking, I would have to do more research, but I'm thinking the answer I would find is that it would be a closed container. So either like a jarred lid of honey or like the honey mm-hmm, bear honey, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I would say just honey on its own, it's kind of like a preservative, right? Like it's mm. something that is that keeps on its own. Like I, the honey bees and the things that they put in the honey mm-hmm. have natural preservatives already in it. So it's already on mm. that path of potentially yeah. causing botulism but yeah huh. 
Interesting. I'd have to look more into okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So I love honey. <laughs> me too. Dude, honey's great. <laughs> honey is so great. That's so good. Save the bees. Okay. Yeah. So botulism comes from the word botulus in Latin, which means sausage, which is where the first cases of botulism originated from. So keep that in mind. <laughs> it just seems like it's something that's attached to preserved meats. Yeah. That salted pork probably had botulism in the those frontier little house on the prairie dude, novels. Dude. Yeah. But they still ate it because it's finger licking good. Did. <laughs> that's all they had yeah. for those poor kids. Preserved meat. Preserved so meat. it's always preserved meats. Oregon Trail. Yeah, preserved dude. meat. Yeah. So botulism, funnily enough, will become one of the most popular cosmetic agents of our time. In mm, 1989, crazy. botulinum toxin type A specifically became FDA approved mm. under the name Botox in the cosmetic and medical field. So mm. <laughs> Botox injections can be injected safely into the skin mm-hmm, surface mm-hmm. and cause muscle rigidity, a.k.a. a de-wrinkler. Yeah. Just kind of thinking back to the mechanism, it prevents your skin from basically moving and forming any creases mm. or lines. I think some people think of Botox as like a filler, like it fills in the wrinkles. Mm-mm. It's not, that's not what it does. It's very rigid. Mm. Uh, it stops mm-hmm. the muscles from moving in that specific area that it's targeting. As a doctor in pharmacy, do you ever give or have you ever given patients Botox to help with their migraines? Because mm-hmm. I know that's something that it is used for. Yeah. Like, do you ever have you done that in any of your schooling no but so the reason why we have not done it is actually medina one of my really close friends she gets migraines a lot and Mm. she has gone Mm -hmm. through the run of the mill in terms of treatment it's really hard to treat migraines unfortunately Mm. and she started doing botox because her mom also Mm -hmm. has migraines sorry medina i don't know why she's talking about this but uh (laughs) her mom also has migraines yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and uh her mom actually started doing botox like the fda approved version for migraines it's the same thing but it's just under that label yeah. so and she found that yeah. really helped her so then medina started doing it and i think she's still doing it but that for that to be done you have to go to a clinic an approved clinic mm-hmm. and the physician will directly inject it to you there so it's typically like a physician not an esthetician yeah it's or cosm it's going to be cosmologist i don't know cosmetologist yeah sorry cosmetologist yeah yeah yeah. so it's not gonna okay. be a cosmetologist it's going to be a licensed physician or doctor gotcha. and i mean you can look into it but the one medina was telling mm-hmm. me like they put it everywhere like they put it like mm-hmm. all around the base of your skull and like mm-hmm. all around like like kind of like painful areas honestly like all around your mm-hmm. temples and like your forehead and like up above your eyes and things like that and that yeah. that really helps people yeah and medina there's no shame in the game oh, yeah, if you're no. getting Botox in ge- like in general, yeah. like if you're doing Botox, whatever. But I, I actually have an old roommate who had severe migraines and that's how I found mm. out that like she, she one day texted our roommate group chat and she was like, she's like, sorry if when I come in, my face looks like a little severe. I just got Botox for my migraines. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. That's awesome. No, there's yeah. absolutely no shame in the game. Like I guarantee you I'll probably try Botox at some point. I got, I got. I do the little squint in the middle of my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Everything else looks great. Like I'm very content with oh, my yeah, skin, you but I get these two little lines, the knitted, <laughs> thank you, the, the knitted little furrow mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the brow line. And it's just because it's Who's like- pissing you off? I don't, no, like I think it's genuinely, this is going to sound so dumb. What? I just don't wear sunglasses. I <sighs> own so many pairs of sunglasses. 
But I just, for some reason, like it just slips down my nose so and funny. I just forego it. So I'm always like squinting in the That's sun. That's such a benign reason. I love it. It's such a small reason. It's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Um, anyway. Yeah. So TBD on that later. But Megan had asked earlier, it also is used to treat migraines. It can treat lower limb spasticity, cerebral palsy in mm. younger children, things like that. So this, it actually has like a ton of medical uses. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the cosmetic use of it, so it was approved in 1989, but I don't think the cosmetic use of Botox was until like the 90s or something like that. The first question I had, honestly, and it's a question I've had f- for a long time, but I just never looked it up, mm-hmm. is if mm-hmm. botulism is so freaking deadly, how did we decide mm-hmm. it was safe to inject directly into our faces? Like how? 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 Uh, I mean, that is our million dollar question that has followed us throughout this whole podcast it is just goes back to this concept of we totally know when things are poisonous for us yet we love to still want them in our lives you know like and want them in our face (laughs) right right or just like in any products or uh, yeah i think it's i think it's a beautiful thing like i'm starting to become more accepting of it obviously but it is like a very interesting I used to be like this humans are narcissists and we have a huge ego and we think that we can tame anything. And that is why we ultimately use these poisons in our lives. But at the end of the day, I'm like medically, I think it's a beautiful thing. Like, I think it's really cool to be like, Hey, we know that this can have the most severest adverse side effects or impact on your body, but maybe there's a good side to every bad thing yeah which is like poetic yeah you know very true <laughs> so who knows yeah we can learn to live who in harmony knows? with these these other agents but yes. dang like zooming back all the way i just think it's so hilarious mm-hmm. that something that can literally kill you we figured out a way to be like but what if we tried it this way <laughs> right right and there's so many toxins that we've talked about and poisons and toxins that we've talked about where they did used to have Mm -hmm. a medical use and then we learned no this should just remain a poison (laughs) and we shouldn't use this medically at all or clinically at all so trial and error i guess we are still using botox today and it's it's as popular as ever so i was gonna say this earlier Mm -hmm. but confession time if you, when I say you, it's the grand you. It's not just you. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. like listeners too. Mm-hmm. If you guys judge me for this, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have always been, I've always wanted to be invited to a Botox what? party. Not because I want the Botox per se, but because I think it's so campy in its concept and mm-hmm. its conceptualization that like I would just love to witness or be invited and witness like a Botox party. What? Do you, do you no, know what I'm I don't. About? What the heck is a Botox party? Okay, so like, if you watch enough reality <laughs> oh, yeah. TV, okay. f- from what I have observed through reality mm. TV, which tends to just be fictional, mm-hmm. of course, <laughs> but like uh, the stereotype is, you know, wealthy families, typically women, eye roll, <laughs> right? Like typically women, like in Orange County yeah. or yeah. Los Angeles uh, or even in, you know, co- any cosmopolitan that's on the West or East Coast, right? They they all get together and have their cocktails and their their you know um, hors d'oeuvres and they're all like wearing their cocktail dresses and it's just a social hour. But the extra perk of the evening is 
free Botox wow. injections. And they're called Botox parties where you just go and you socialize and you have cos- cosmetologists there just kind of like giving you a little something wow. something in the temple while you're like drinking back your cocktail. That kind of yeah. sounds nice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed. So I'm joining <laughs> that list of wanting right? to be invited. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we're only at the level of we and our friends get together and we do our little cocktails and dinner parties. Once the Botox is introduced, you know we're making yeah, exactly. it. exactly. You know we're making it in this exactly. world. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we I'm could, like, kidding, do it but... ourselves somehow, but that would be very dangerous. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. We'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> Okay, and we'll invite all of you guys, Poison Pals. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, my question is, how can you safely inject this very deadly toxin, botulism, into our face? So, the answer is this, is what I found. A typical Mm. lethal dose for a human is about 3,000 units. If you're thinking, like, in a syringe, syringe is measured in units. Mm. So, 3,000 units in a syringe, which is quite a lot. But Botox mm-hmm. is only 100 units, and it's injected superficially into the skin and only mm. into the immediate muscle of in the area of the face that you're targeting, right? Yeah. So that is how yeah. it makes it safe. It's very, very low, very beneath the lethal dose or even like a toxic dose, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's safe. It is very rare, but there's a small possibility that the botulism is injected or botulinum is injected wrong or spreads mm. beyond the desired area and that's what causes toxic mm. sim- toxic symptoms but i don't think yeah. that's happening very often but now that i'm thinking about it remember that episode of keeping up the kardashians with courtney when yeah. she got botox and her f- or no she didn't get botox she was at the dentist i think remember her her, her uh. jaw was like all like messed up and her eyes yeah like like one side of one side of her face was kind of yeah up and the other side was kind of yeah, yeah yeah like it almost looks like like a synthetic stroke right happened on her face right. or something right I yeah remember. i thought that was because she got botox injections but now i'm thinking it's because she got one nah, to the dentist it, yeah she might have had um local anesthetic yeah, yeah. or something like in her gums or that, something i've never know. seen anesthetic do that what though. i <laughs> think of I, yeah i'm not sure yeah. what was going on with her what i think of is the an episode of it's always uh-huh. sunny in philadelphia I think it's one of their one of their later seasons, but the twins, Dee and mm-hmm. Dennis, they go I forget what their friggin' scheme was, but basically Dee, the girl twin, sister the sister twin, she does the injection, like a Botox injection for oh, Dennis. And clearly does it wrong because it shows her like injecting it and his back is to the oh, camera, God. right? And then you it, the cut scenes to the front and he's like, How's it look? And his eye is just like <laughs> swollen oh and like drooping and she's just like oh god <laughs> I, I don't know what I did but that's just so that's a funny thing but what I'm curious about in terms of because you were talking about mm. units right uh, so it's 100 units of this specific type of botulism that we use as Botox but within that 100 units it of mm-hmm. itself like how much of that is actually the botulism aspect and how much of that is like some sort of um I'm I'm not trying to use this word because I know it's not correct, but like some sort of like filler, like a saline solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, I know it's not, I know Botox is not filler, yeah, yeah. but like, do you it know like what I'm it's, I think, yeah. Right. 100%. Right. I don't know that off the top of my mm-hmm. head for sure, but usually like, mm-hmm. well, like when I say 100, 100 units of botulinum, 
I think of mm-hmm. as the concentration of it. So I still think there's a mm-hmm. hundred units of botulinum in mm-hmm. the s- mm-hmm. solution, but there's probably more gotcha. solutions. So it would be like a hundred units uh, put okay. into like another hundred units of diluent, which would be like saline or even water. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Okay. But you're right. It wouldn't yeah, yeah, be yeah. just pure botulinum type A. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh, that okay. It? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That is so interesting. I did not know what the symptoms were for having botulism or being um, poisoned by botul- yeah. botulinum. But I like I've always known the term because uh, and I've always associated I have always associated it with food poisoning mm-hmm. because I think it would fall under that category most often. Yeah. Right. Like people. At least that might be the mis- misunderstanding around it. But like growing up, my sister would make jokes or something because I feel like I'm going to have to research this. But there was some point in our childhood where botulism made the mm-hmm. news. And it was one of those things that kind of trended to a point where it was like, oh, be careful when you eat this type of specific mm-hmm. food product because you're going to get botulism. Okay. Just like how whenever romaine lettuce gets recalled right you're always like oh don't eat romaine lettuce because you're gonna get e coli there was something about botulism back in the day that yeah my sister would be like oh don't eat this egg or like don't eat whatever because botulism botulism (laughs) and that's all i ever knew about it i just saw it as like a food poisoning it is it's commonly uh, yeah i mean i want to say common because again it's very very Mm -hmm. rare to have an occurrence of Mm -hmm. uh botulism but it can also so i should have explain this in when I was talking about the toxicity, but I focused on foodborne mm. since this was what the story is about. But there mm. are three ways that you can get botulism. One of them is what we talked about today. The second one is actually by IV drug use or just like injecting, mm. using injection needles. Uh, it can happen through mm. that way. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily understand the mechanism of that. Like, I don't know if it just like, kind of like festers, mm. like on the surface of the skin, mm. uh, if you're not cleaning yeah. it properly type of thing. Because uh, right. at the end of the day, it is a bacteria, so it will grow on certain surfaces. Mm-hmm. And I can't recall the, yeah. the third one off the top of my head. But there are other ways besides foodborne where it can happen. Yeah, that's so interesting. I do think foodborne is probably the most rare. But also, the two other things that made me think of when I was researching this, and they were talking about the different types of ways it can get, it can happen. They were talking about jam jars. Mm-hmm. And my dad mm-hmm. had made homemade jam, and he bottled it himself lid and all and he used mm. a lid mm. that was already asian parents like they reuse mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. like the yogurt container in your fridge is not a yogurt container it does not contain yep. yogurt but anyways yep. so he reused like some older jar put his own jam concoction in it and then sent it to me in the mm-hmm. bay area to use and i did use it a few times but then i mm-hmm. kind of like forgot about it for months and mm-hmm. by the time i moved out mm-hmm. of my sf apartment i looked at it and i was like it doesn't look bad but there was some mm. gut instinct in me that I was like, I should not eat this anymore. And I just chucked it. Yeah, you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, that is so funny you say that. Okay, because when, like, actually at the beginning of mm-hmm. you telling the story about the the, the potted meats yeah. and stuff, I thought of a similar instance of, I'm not going to mention okay. names because I, I just don't want to offend. I love these the people that, that yeah. did this. But one of my friend's moms recently, like this, during this yeah. past year, yeah she she loves to experiment with like 
making jams mm, and sure. mason jars and stuff like that or like making preservatives oh, <laughs> and so i was over at her house and she goes to this closet and pulls out this massive mason jar this isn't just like a small you know jelly jar it's like one of those big yeah vessels of right, a mason right, I jar know. i don't even know and it is filled to the brim with this ambiguous fruit preservative that is it's not even like a pretty color like it looked like dark brown sort of thing like it just looked dark brown and she she's so like she's so sweet and so kind and she was like oh do you like she knew i was going back to san diego so she's like here take this take this like you know take one of my preservatives um this is from some of the fruits in my my garden blah 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 and of course like she's my auntie right so i'm not gonna say no so i'm like yeah sure but i remember looking at this and being like i will (laughs) never eat this not because i was afraid of botulism or anything but it was just like in general i'm like it just does not look that good and i am afraid of how it would taste and she said that jar had been sitting mason like tight mason clothes Mm. all that it had been sitting in that pantry for a year plus times like it had just been sitting Mm -mm. there preserving or whatever and in my head i'm like there's two possibilities like i will open it and it'll just smell like fermentation like it'll just smell like alcohol And the, the, there's no other yeah. possibility. That's just like what I thought. And I was just like, I'm not going to eat this. And my friend, um, so this is the mother mm-hmm. who gave it to me. My aunt, I call yeah. her my auntie. But my friend, she, my friend is my auntie's daughter, right? So I'm friends with right. the daughter. So the daughter and I are walking out of the house. I'm carrying this big Dude. mason jar, like holding it like a, like a, like a baby. And she's like, dude, are you actually going to keep that? And I straight up was like, <laughs> no. I told I told her daughter yeah. very honestly like I'm not gonna keep it and I felt to be honest up into this up until this day I did feel mildly guilty of accepting it and ending up just yeah. throwing it away but in my head when I threw it away I was like I think I'm doing everyone oh, yeah. a favor true I'm I'm one just like getting rid of it out of yeah. her house and two at least no one will mm-hmm. eat it now mm-hmm. because it just seems so Dude, suspect yeah. and now that you're talking to me about this to, uh, yeah. today i don't feel yeah, you should at all throwing it away anymore because i'm like that shit it was very nice yeah. gesture for her to give it to me but i'm like dude no like i just don't trust it i just don't trust like, it like i yeah. think there are ways that if you are into like i know it's a hobby that people like to do they like to preserve their own shit but i would trust me like one percent of the home population to do it correctly just get it from the damn store like pay that money yes where they have like yes. rules and regulations to figure to make mm-hmm. sure that there's, there's nothing suspect about it but yeah that's just really unfortunate and then the other thing i was i think of or my once uh, like popular cultural exposure to botulism is uh mm-hmm. did you ever watch the sherlock series with our friend benny cumberbatch Ah, uh, yes, okay. I did. I don't know if you remember this, but I think the very first episode or the second episode, um, there's a person who dies due to botulism. And it's due to mm. an injection. Someone had injected a lethal dose, so 3,000 units mm. plus, of Botox mm. directly into this lady's arm. And it's such a tiny, mm. tiny like pinprick because it's just like a needle. So they almost didn't Mm. catch it on the body but that was like my first Mm. inside look into oh this can kill you uh so she died almost immediately from that like 
over the course of that day. Mm. So that was my other yeah. my other tidbit. <laughs> but that's it. For sure. I have to rewatch that that series. <laughs> she is so but good. uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so interesting. How would one procure botulism or botulinum in order to cause harm? Mm. Like how much, like for for example, the cosmetologists that, you know, have it at their businesses for the purpose of giving Botox for aesthetic yeah. reasons. What does that regulation right. look like? And I'm not, you don't have to answer these questions if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just throwing that out there. Like what does that regulation yeah. look like? Obviously, we don't hear a lot of cases of people that work in that industry who are going around and poisoning no. people with botulism. The regulation must be there yeah. to prevent that from happening. But, well, Megan, I can tell yeah. you that mm-hmm. I came across a story, right? But I was like, this story mm-hmm. is so freaking random. I'm like, what? Like, there must be mm-hmm. other stories with poisoning mm-hmm. by botulism, things like that. So I l- research yeah. it and it was so sparse there was like barely anything like intentional poisonings were very very rare maybe like two mm. cases honestly that i could do like as yeah. a cursory google search for and other than that like nothing like there was nothing that came up from like clinics botox clinics cosmetic wise or even medical wise nothing so yeah i think there's definitely it's definitely highly regulated i guarantee you the botox is under lock and key that only the doctor can mm. access or maybe like the head nurse or something like yeah. that but yeah. Or like the whatever companies give the Botox mm-hmm. to the clinics or the businesses, I'm sure it's like those super small jars yeah. that like you, it's the jars that you put the syringe into is the allotted Correct. amount for, for actually using. Mm-hmm. And it would probably take too much time to, to take a syringe and put it in every single jar to get the lethal dose amount. Yeah. Okay, so now just talking through it, I'm like, you would have to be willing to go to jail to get away with this poison. Yeah, you know definitely. what I mean? Like, if, if you were going to go that route of, like, hypothetically, I work at a, you know, a Botox clinic or whatever, and I really want to poison someone, like, you wouldn't be able to get mm-hmm. away with it. You could do it, but you would go to jail. Yeah. Like, it's just all the work. Because, yeah. so, sorry, I was just, like, researching, trying to look it up really mm-hmm. quickly, because mm-hmm. to your point exactly like i'm def like definitely it started out with these mm-hmm. little vials of the solution mm-hmm. that you would just kind of draw up in your needle and then yeah. inject yeah and to my eyes it makes a lot more sense to just already have pre-filled syringes where it already has the exact amount mm. in it so you don't you're not drawing anything up because i feel like that's also right. where the error can come in even if you are literally giving them a vial that has exactly the amount if you already have the pre-filled syringe mm-hmm. you don't have to train anyone to like draw how to draw up right. or anything like you just have to inject in that's it but mm-hmm. i actually don't mm-hmm. at least from my cursory search i don't mm-hmm. think that's a thing just yet maybe i don't know mm-hmm. like i guess there's not been any issues with just drawing it up but i'm actually surprised if mm-hmm. that's not a thing but poison pals if i'm wrong correct me um i barely looked yeah. <laughs> so intrigued yeah yeah so how fascinating that's awesome. Yeah, I I did not know what to expect, and I am very pleased. The Scottish Highland sheep now. has delivered. <laughs> I know. It went from sheep to Botox and no connection. But I love it. I love every every twist and I turn. was the Scottish Highland 1920 sheep that was on that mountain that that 22-year-old Oxford grad and just watching all this yes. shit unfold silently yeah. in the background. Really what happened was that Scottish sheep 
the guy on the mountain, he must have put his sandwich down and the sheep like farted <laughs> yeah. on it or something. God damn. <laughs> and that's how he got botulism. Don't blame my gut and bowel issues, okay? <laughs> that's so funny. And um, kind of along that similar vein, I was watching something later or earlier today. Because this whole mm-hmm. thing is just like, what were people thinking back then? Like, we, we had, like, crazy practices back in the day, especially mm. in terms of hygiene. So mm-hmm. there's a show that I've been watching that actually has to do with, it's like a cooking show. But anyways, so they're highlighting scientific mm. innovations in England. And there's this lady mm-hmm. back in, like, the early 1900s, maybe in the late 1800s, who was credited for her public health campaigns so Mm. she campaigned against the use of communal water at the drinking fountain Mm. and i was like there were communal water cups at the drinking fountain that is nuts (laughs) like no wonder we were getting sick left and right back then i know it's a weird okay we'll we'll end soon we'll end soon for sure but like that concept is like so weird because it's like you, if you it's almost full circle because where we're at mm-hmm. today we would try to do reusable yeah, cups like we're true. trying to we're trying to push d- you know just dis- disposable um just excess mm-hmm. waste out in in how we use cups totally. and stuff right so in my head i'm like the the og <laughs> shared communal cup was the yeah. way to go but clearly yeah people were getting sick like oh, it's God. just so funky like it's such but a can weird you imagine thing. what that cup um, looked like after like 70 million had drank from it oh god oh man <laughs> just the the lip must be like all brown in color and the rest of the cup is like normal white yeah so i think we, we've done away with that kind of those practices every person every person has like a little area on the lip where they <laughs> sit no one sits yeah, yeah, from the yeah. same part of the lip and you they just, just write their it. names like on the side like this is my section <laughs> yeah. yeah like only space for like a taste bud to go there and sip right the sip right water. oh my god so ridiculous yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about all right <laughs> like said this. all right all right well that was great thank you harini for teaching us about Absolutely. some botulism and how the lock marie was witness to eight deaths mm-hmm. caused by botulism. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Anyways, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's go into our antidotes. Sure. I shall go first. My antidote is this is hard poison pals. But we're gonna let you in on some like BTS. We just recorded yesterday, so we are doing two antidotes in a row. So give us yeah. some. <laughs> My antidote. It's just a cute mm. little story. It's nothing like, I wouldn't say it's like a positive thing happened in my life, but it's a fun little story and I'm just okay. going to tell you real quick. So I had mentioned my neighbor's cat earlier, Mojave Ghost. Yeah. Beautiful cat. She's yeah. just gorgeous. But uh, the reason why I bring her up, I actually like, I knew he owns, he mm-hmm. owns two cats. One's Mojave Ghost and one is like another cool ass name. It's like Duke or something. Oh. I don't know. Um, but he, my neighbor texted me because one of my cats both both my cats are outdoor indoor Mm -hmm. cats so they explore the neighborhood and they definitely go over to my neighbor's house all the time and this whole time i always wondered if they play with his cats but from my understanding i always thought his cats were indoor cats right 
that being said, I think my neighbor lets my cats Aww. into his house, which is really sweet. Um, and so I guess they do so play cute. together. But he he texted me and he's like, hey, Megan, it's, you know, it's um, Chris from next mm-hmm. door. And hey, I'm just wondering, is Lieutenant, Lieutenant's mm-hmm. my boy cat. He's like, is Lieutenant neutered? And I was like, yeah, yeah, LT is neutered. Like, why? What's up? And he's like, oh, well, I saw him trying to go for Mojave <laughs> Ghost oh, the other day. And he's like, I just wanted to know when to expect oh, kittens. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, oh, no, like, LT is definitely neutered. But, you know, maybe because Mojave Ghost is, um, she's not spayed, mm. you know, a, a boy cat's still going to smell that yeah. scent and, like, still totally. react to it. And he, and, um, <laughs> He was he was so sweet about it. He was like, yeah. He was like he was like, if anyone's gonna knock up Mojave Ghost, I want it to be LT <laughs> because like they they look yeah. kind of similar. They both kind of have some main right. coon in them, and so it was just like a really cute little so exchange between my neighbor and I, <laughs> I <love that. laughs> and how my cat is harassing his poor cat. Wait, on a separate note, when remember when you yeah. told the story on the pod a while back? Mm-hmm. I think it was LT or maybe mm-hmm. it was your other cat who like was trapped mm-hmm. in a neighbor's closet for like all day was it one of your neighbors <laughs> yes. where you live currently yes okay so that was lt okay. again um so so the neighbor that i'm talking about with mojave ghost yeah. and all that he lives in a building that is physically next to my okay. building like he is like a proper neighbor if that makes sense mm-hmm. lt uh, last year got stuck in one of my neighbor's closets in my unit in in my building so like i live in like an apartment complex he had and at this complex we're all very close it's only four units Mm -hmm. that touch each other and we all leave our doors open so lt had snuck into their unit you know without anyone realizing it and he got into one of their closets (laughs) and just stayed there the whole day (laughs) never made a sound and i was distraught yeah i told the story a while back but LT is just, he's my, my smooth brain yeah. boy. <laughs> oh, he's right. He's a total but, right. Yeah. So, so it is cute to know that he and Jade, my other cat, do go over and play with my neighbor's cats. I and I think that's so adorable. They're like having, they're um, creating their own play dates during the day. I love yeah. it. They have friends. It's, yeah, it is nice. It's, it's really cute. Yeah. I like it. You have a good community mm-hmm. over there for sure. Mm-hmm. We all we all look out for each other's pets, yeah. which I think is really really sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super awesome. That's how it should be, honestly. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, okay, my <laughs> antidote is from today. So, my brother and my sister in law they just had a baby a couple months back. Mm-hmm. So my mom is over there staying with them and helping them, just like take care of the baby and just like help around the house, spend time with them. So my mm-hmm. mom, I call my, I FaceTime my mom today because she's been really, really busy, obviously with the baby, things like that. So I haven't get, gotten mm-hmm. a lot of time mm-hmm. to talk to her. So I finally mm-hmm. was able to connect with her today on FaceTime. So we're chatting mm-hmm. and chatting, chatting. And, and the baby is like lying on a blanket right next to her, just like playing on her back. Right. Aww. And my mom, I kid you not, like she would only get like three words out and then the baby would start fake crying like she like (laughs) and then it was so funny because my mom she was like she's not letting me talk to you like she wants she wants to have the attention Mm, she wants attention yeah so my mom would put the camera like she would face my face like towards her and she would immediately Mm -hmm. stop crying and start smiling she just wanted me to like talk to her so i started Mm. so i began to talk to my mom but looking at 
the baby. At the baby? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. She just needed like that auditory right. sound or like that visual of like there's someone who's speaking. Yeah. She's not she's not there yet recognizing you're not mm-hmm. even talking to No, her. she's not. She was so yeah. she was so satisfied at that arrangement. Yeah. And then every now and then my mom would be like, All right, I think she's good now, so let's let's like talk face to face. Yeah. Two seconds later, yeah. mm mm. <laughs> So that was Aww. that kept going on and over and over again. And we were just cracking up because every time she yeah. would come back, she would have like that sly smile. Like this baby already knows how to fake she cry. Knows. We're all in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> the drama, knows. the drama. That is so funny. Well, uh, that's that's also funny that you say that because I feel like I just maybe it could have been you I was talking to, but like there are babies that are. Uh, little conniving things at such a young age, but then they grow out of it. Interesting. And then I've heard about babies who are easy temperaments. Like they're, yeah. they, they don't show that like understanding of like, I'm going to fake cry right. to get what I want. They don't do mm-hmm. that at a young age, but then they develop into like middle childhood uh-huh. where they, where they, that's when they do that. And I'm like, I don't know what I would prefer more. Yeah. I think I'd want a baby that does yeah. it. Rather than a child, one hundred percent. Like get it out yeah. from the start, and then yeah, we can yeah, like yeah. mellow you down. Exactly. <laughs> That's Megan's child development yeah. major coming out. <laughs> Very minimal. That no. Everybody's different. Yeah. That's that's my child development yeah. major coming out. Everybody's different. It's true. It's true. So, but yeah, that's my antidote. Anyway. It was it was a good time. I love it. Well, well I'm glad you got to talk to your niece yeah. and your mama. Yes. And I think it's funny because I your mom's probably like, I want to talk to my baby <laughs> who is you. Like, so that's why she's like, I want to look at her reading. And that's literally but, what she told yeah. my niece. She was like, Aww. I'm trying to talk to my daughter. Can I talk to her for one moment? And then that's so and cute. she was like babbling back at her. They're like having a conversation back and forth. That's great. <laughs> that's that's really important. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. so it was Aww. good. Well, that's very sweet. All right. Well, that's it for today, Poison Pals. Thanks for listening yes. to us. Thanks for putting up with our nonsense as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget to listen, rate, and review. Of course, you're listening right now, but it's the other two parts that we need to <laughs> get 100% on. Yes. So rate and review if you can. If you have any questions or want to set us straight, yes. email us at TSIP. That shit is poison. Sorry. Email, <laughs> email us at that shit is poison at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can even DM us on Instagram at that shit is poison. Yes. Da, 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 da. Harini, mm. aka Scottish Highland Sheep. Yes, yes, yes. Take us out of here. All right, all right. So, Poison Pals, don't risk it for that wild duck potted biscuit. Because that shit's gonna penalize you. <laughs> yeah. Not the not the wild duck, not the wild potted duck. meat. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. Peace. Bye.